Hello, hello. Welcome Hi. to the Vixen Happy Hour podcast. Hi, Raina. Hi, <laughs> This is season two, episode 24. I've already said it. My guest, Raina, is here. I'm sure you guys will recognize her. She was um, on season one. I wish I had the, I should have wrote that down, the episode that she was in. But the episode that she was on from season one, we talked about being plus size and the different, um, you know, obstacles and hurdles and stuff that we face with just embracing ourselves, um, being body positive, loving who we are. So it was pretty cool. If you haven't checked it out, definitely check it out. I got some really good feedback on that episode, Raina. There were like people who hit me up who were like, wow, that has happened to me or I have felt that way. Or even like I had one person who said they've always been small their whole life. So they never saw it from the perspective of someone else. Mm -hmm. And they empathized. They were like, dang, like I never even would have thought that that was the trials and tribulations of someone who is plus size. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to let you know that, that it did resonate with a lot of people. So thank you for coming and doing that. (laughs) No problem. I'm glad it did. Um, You know, you're seeing a lot now when people just are sharing their stories. So I'm like, I'm glad that, you know, someone was able to hear it and impacted them in a good way. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I know this episode is also going to resonate with a lot of people. Um, I personally think Raina is just, she's so articulate and she's so full of knowledge. Um, I've only known her for a short time. We met when we recorded that episode, but I followed her journey, especially with mental health and everything she's doing. And I just think she's a gem and she's definitely, I'm just glad to have you back on. So thank you for coming back. Of course. So I also wanted, before we get into it, I wanted to thank everyone who has purchased merch so far. Um, You know, I know with all the backlogs, the USPS and all that stuff, you guys have been super patient. I haven't got any complaints. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just thank you guys for just being so supportive, being so patient and helping my business expand. Um, there will be more, there will be more merch coming out in the future, but I just want to thank everyone who has purchased a shirt, a hat, a mug. It really means a lot to me. Um, so, so really quickly for those who hadn't listened to the last episode that Raina was on, Raina, do you mind giving, like introducing yourself briefly again for those who might not be acquainted with you? Sure. Uh, my name is Raina Smaller, AKA the mental health advocate, John. I am the founder of Brown Girl Space, um, and Brown Girl Space is a platform that is here to encourage, empower, and link um, brown girls to mental health resources, um, and also making sure that women know that it's okay to prioritize themselves and practice self-care. Um, so yeah, that's the gist of what it is, and you know, you can find me talking about all things mental health and self-care passionately online, offline. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. Like this stuff. I don't know how you do it right now. Even like I've been seeing you um put up the chats on Clubhouse. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, like you're just doing amazing. So I just wanted <laughs> I to let you know it. that. Like you're doing so great. Um, okay, so we're gonna go into our first segment. This one is called I See You Sis. So this is mm-hmm. where you shout out someone well shout out a woman who may be inspiring you or motivating you as of late. Um, I have two. So 
So mm-hmm. these are both friends of mine. Um, one is my friend Brittany. So she recently just posted that she did a cleanse and a detox for 10 days and mm-hmm. she lost like 11 pounds. And I just wanted to let her know that I see her and I'm so proud of her. I love when people show up for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I felt like for a very long time, there's so much that she wanted to do. And, you know, we stop ourselves so many times from doing those certain things for many different reasons. And I'm just so proud of her for like, just saying, I'm going to go all in, like not stopping anymore and just really pushing forward. So I see her and I'm just so happy for her. And then my next shout out is for my sister-in-law, Shakira. Mm -hmm. Um, If you follow her, she's been on here multiple times and I'm sure she'll be on here more times. But (laughs) if you follow her on social media, she recently left the salon she was working with working in. She's an esthetician. She recently left and within like a month and a half time, she's opened her own salon so she's been working really hard like working multiple regular jobs and then going and building this salon up spending i'm sure tons of money to bring a wellness space for black women and black people in general in coast in the coastville area so it's very cool to see, just seeing how much money, how much time she's investing. And I think she recently reopened her books um, for, like, super loyal clients. And she'll be really fully opening her doors to everyone. And I'm just so proud of her because that is not an easy journey to take, especially mm-hmm. when it's unexpected like that. Like, when you you have it planned for one thing and then it's kind of like God is pushing you to do it the other way. So mm-hmm. I just want to let her know I see her. Her hard work does not go unnoticed and I'm proud of her. And you can follow her at Skin Deep by SD. I'm not going to give y'all Brittany's social just because that's personal. <laughs> so I don't know if she would want me to share it or not. But I just wanted to let her know that I'm very proud of her and shout out to her. So I'll hand it over to Rena. Yes. I want to shout out a good friend of mine. Her name is Najia. Um, Najia is jump-starting back into her platform. We have had several conversations, and she's ready. She's like, sis, I need to be doing this. Um, sometimes when you have a calling on your life, it's sometimes it's challenging because we allow like just a lot of things to kind of get in the way or stop us from doing it. Um, but she is back with her platform, Fearless Ambition. Um, please follow her on Instagram. She is dope. She is starting with just daily, just reminders and affirmations. And I also want to shout out uh, Kiara Richardson. I had a chance to actually meet her in person. She was doing a closet sale and she just has such infectious energy. Um, she's also someone who's online that is um, just showing us how to be plus size and be sexy and own our style. So I just wanted to make sure I shout her out. Um, she's also someone that's just, you know, trying to get her platform rolling and you can find her at the kit your style. Oh, 
I know her. Well, yeah, I've met her. <laughs> I was like, wait, I know who that is. She's doing an awesome job with content. I yes. following her. I had seen, I think it was like a couple months ago, she was saying there was all this content she had made and was just sitting on it because she was afraid of like what people would say or how they would feel about it, like how it would be received. And she's mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm going to get over that fear and I'm just going to start putting stuff out just to, for me. And it's actually really good stuff, like really good TikToks and reels mm-hmm. and stuff of all her, like putting the clothes together and everything. So yeah, shout out to her. I really love that. <laughs> Because, yeah, yes. she, I think we're in a season where it might not just be women, but obviously we're here for women. But I think we're in a season where a lot of people are noticing their potential and they're done just sitting on the sidelines. Like, they're mm-hmm. like, I'm ready to put in the work and do what I have to do to find my own happiness, you know, and mm-hmm. meet my potential. So I think it's really cool to see from all these different people who are just really pushing forward. Um, So that wraps yeah. up. Did you have anything to say, Rain? I'm sorry. I feel like I just cut you off. I just wanted to say, like, creating content can be challenging, and I know that's part of, like, why people feel so, like, intimidated by it. Mm-hmm. But, like, just seeing people actually do it, like, once you do it and get in the groove of it, like, it just resonates with so many people. So, I mean, I just want people to know that, like, keep going. Just do it. You know, step out in fear. Yes. Yes, all of that. <laughs> do it. Like, seriously, you never know who you may be helping, who you may be touching, who can relate to your story. Like, you just never know. So you got to try. Like, if it doesn't work, it's okay. You'll figure something else out or even you'll be pushed to pivot elsewhere. But it's always worth the try. At least you'll know. So mm-hmm. all of those things. Um, so that I'm going to wrap up. That's the first segment. Um, so usually I will do, I plead the fifth, but because mm-hmm. Raina has already gone through this, <laughs> we're going to skip. I plead the fifth. And I also have a lot of, um, questions to ask her when it comes to our main topic. So I don't want to mm-hmm. make this too, too long. Um, so we're going to move into what's trending or whatever. So I have two topics for this. I'm trying to find the video for the first topic. I should have. Sorry, guys. I took like two to three weeks off. Oh, I found it. Um, And so I'm a little. This this show's ratchet every now and then. Y'all already know. Um, So the first topic is Chloe Bailey. So um, I want to talk about this because I think it's something that should be discussed, especially on this woman-based podcast and the message that I'm constantly trying to send out, especially with my guests. So Chloe Bailey, if you don't know who she is, she is half of, I guess they're, I would call them a band. Well, I would say a duo. She's half of the duo, Chloe and Hallie. Um, They're super talented. I am a Chloe and Hallie stan. Like, I love everything they do. I love everything Mm -hmm. they do. I'm constantly watching their Tiny Desk concert, like their album. I constantly have it on rotation. I really, really love them. I think they're super talented, very gorgeous young ladies. So um, last month, both Chloe and Hallie decided to deviate from their shared Instagram page to create their own personal pages. Um, Chloe started receiving a lot of attention on her personal page once she took part in that popular busted challenge, which I have (laughs) not done. Raina has, and she killed it. But I have not done because my knees, I promise you, I'll never recover. So I have not done it. <laughs> um, Chloe followed up with posts of her dancing and what some people may describe in a sexual manner, as well as her, like, staging her bedroom in her underwear. 
Um, Chloe began to receive a lot of backlash from those who slut-shamed her, saying that the things she was posting were clearly for her attention, and that she was doing the most, and that she wasn't as classy as people thought she was. So, all of this backlash, Chloe went on the IG Live to explain her post and how the comments have made her feel. So I do have a small clip. I don't have the whole um, interview. And I'll be basing, I guess, my thoughts on this clip alone. I know there was there was more to it. But I'll play this mm-hmm. and, you know, we can discuss this particular part. Sorry, guys. But it's like now I really love who I am. And I don't post what I post for validation from anybody or even male attention. It's just me. And a lot of people who know, like, who's on my, like, private Instagram, they see, like, I'm just, that's how I find my confidence. Because it has taken me a lot to appreciate myself and my body. There's been so many times where I felt I wasn't pretty enough, where I just, I have a lot of issues with my weight. So it's really, it's a pivotal time for me. I'm just now learning at like 22, almost 23, that it's okay to be all that you are and to stand in that power. And I I think that's why I'm so appreciative of all of you who've been supporting me. And I'm not going to change who I am. If I did, I would be a catfish and you all wouldn't see the real me. That my family sees, that Hallie knows, it's not a shock to her because she knows, like, I'm like this all the time. And most of the stuff on my page, anyways, are like months and months old. But I love you all so much that I want to invite you in and bring you all in and show you who I really, really, truly am. I'm like, I'm such a nerd inside, but on the outside, I love to, like, just, even when I dance, I just feel really sexy and confident. That's where I get my confidence from. Ever since I was like a little. Okay, so that's the end of that particular that clip. Her dog or our dog? I thought it was Raina's dog. That was my dog. I'm sorry. My <laughs> no, partner walked in. Okay. No, I just wasn't no. sure. It was just like a dog. I was What's trying so on? hard not to laugh, y'all, because we have a dog, too. So he heard it. So he came around the corner like, where's the dog? <laughs> yeah. He was super confused just now. He was like, where's the dog? Like, oh, no, it's okay. We Listen, we have a dog. He does his thing too so i wanted to ask you what are your thoughts on this situation overall so i think that was sunday i seen it and i was infuriated because i'm like she's young she's living her best life like i loved her energy i love seeing her pose like the busted challenge she killed it and for somebody to come along and just try to tear her down that that's what bothered me the most because the Twitter tweet that I seen, it, it appeared that it was from an account from a woman. And I'm just like, what do you get out of tearing someone else down? You know? And I'm glad that she spoke on it. Like not everything we do as women is for the male gaze, you know? So because you're saging in your underwear, like that's just you being you, you showing up authentically yourself. A lot of us do that. I, I sage my apartment in my panties. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't choose to film myself doing it, you know, to music. I just, I don't know. I just was really upset about it for a few days because, you know, the fact that she started to cry and felt upset and even felt the need to explain to us. And I think the part that resonated with me the most is when she started to talk about, like, you know how challenge, challenging it is to come into your own and really love your body. 
and, and want to show it in some sense to the world and for someone to come along and say like hideous things to you mm-hmm. yeah I wasn't here for it yeah I'm with you I wasn't either um when I first noticed it, it was on Twitter, and I was mm-hmm. seeing the tweets, and then I went to her Instagram, and I started looking at the comments, and I was like, like you said, I was like, wait, this is mostly women underneath her, you know, underneath her picture, just going in on this girl, like, you're doing the most. Okay, now this isn't cute. Oh, you just trying to get attention bad. Oh, this is, come on, Chloe, you're better than this. Like, all this kind of stuff. And my first thought was, like, how do you know? Like, do you really know her? Like, mm-hmm. you don't know her personally. So you have no idea as to what she's like, what she isn't like. And that's her business. That's as prerogative so let's say because you're not feeling it or it's not something you would do why Mm -hmm. should she even care that's you know like you're two different people so I was just like annoyed at the fact that I feel like people a lot these days especially with the social media and depending on how you allow them in they really have the audacity to think that they can make opinions on just what they see and it just mm-hmm. right there's no if ands or buts or maybes or nothing else to consider it's just oh well this is what I see of you so this is who you are and my opinion matters for whatever reason and if you don't take account my opinion you're a bad person and i'll unfollow you (laughs) like there was people on there like wow i thought you were better than this unfollow goodbye i do not need your energy in this page like i work with beyonce do you think i really need you to follow me like it's just wow the audacity to insert their like Social media really gives people, like, the balls to just insert their opinions anywhere. And, like, I see things all the time that I don't necessarily agree with. I don't need to go on someone's platform, personal page, business page, and talk nasty or, like, post shady tweets. Like, you don't always have to voice your opinion. I I, I just want people to know that. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what they need to understand because just like, it's just a hypocrisy there too. Just how you're saying, oh, you're doing this for attention. You're commenting Mm -hmm. underneath here for attention because if it wasn't for that, you would go about your business. You know how many other things are happening in the world than Chloe saging in her panties or dancing sexy in the blue <laughs> light? And you're really that upset at this 22-year-old girl for embracing herself and embracing her sexuality and however she feels is right for her. Like, mm-hmm. come on now. And seeing women be the main people, like, mm-hmm. oh, why are you doing this? You shouldn't do that and stuff. It's like, come on now have we gotten far at all (laughs) why can't we like pipe each other up and be happy for one another it comes off like hating and jealousy and all of Mm -hmm. those nasty things and it's like it bothers me so much because we should be the main ones cheering for each other if we don't cheer for each other who will and it also Mm -hmm. makes it for men to be just as nasty like it gives men validation to treat us like we're nobody because if we can't Mm -hmm. stick along like we can't stick together then come like it doesn't make any sense so i was i was bothered by it too especially with the fact that 
she is so young. And it's like, mm-hmm. if she wants to dance and shake her ass, there's worse things that she could be doing than dancing and shaking right. her ass in a silhouette. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, they made it seem like the girl came on there with her nipples out and nipple rings and like, oh, like they just made it seem like she mm-hmm. was doing something that was outrageous. Now, it's a shame to be 22 and having to feel like you need to explain yourself about something mm-hmm. that people do normally even before 22 mm-hmm. when they shouldn't be doing that shit like you know what i'm saying so <laughs> at 12 13 like so i don't know i thought it was really unfair in my opinion i was empowered like just seeing her just be sensual and mm-hmm. own her body like I low key thought I was like I I think I want to participate in the silhouette challenge, but <laughs> all the nuances of the red light and all of that, I, listen, I can't get with it. But mm-hmm. I, I enjoy seeing it. Um, it was something else I was thinking as you were talking, and it it slipped my mind. And it's like um, they act like she was giving us quality content too. Like I was quality. like, this is quality. <laughs> like love to see I'm it. Not. Yeah. yeah. So I don't. Yeah. I I I think it was very unfair, and even to the point that they, you know, got the girl crying on live. And I wish she didn't feel like she had to come and explain herself. But as she mm. already stated. She's working on her self-esteem, you know? Mm-hmm. So all, and that's all of us. Although we kind of grow and get further when it comes to our self-esteem, there's still times where you do might question yourself or you do mm-hmm. might feel some type of way about how you look or whatever. So it's like, I just felt bad for her. I really did. I was like, no, this is crazy that the people are like tearing her down like this. The same people commenting their moms used to sell coochie and their grandmoms were <laughs> side chicks. Like, we gotta keep that in mind. I think people lose perspective on what's real. Oh my god, this is why I have Nigel do the side commentary every now and then. <laughs> but you know, with respectability, I think I'm saying it right. Respectability politics. I thought we did away with it. Like, I thought, you know, yes. it's sometimes it's still some women who have this impression that women should be, like, you know, seen and not heard. And mm-hmm. God forbid you do anything sexy. Like, you, you're you devaluing mm-hmm. yourself. And it's like, sis, if that's what you think about yourself, don't try to put that off on other people. Yes. Like, that's your own personal Belief. opinion. Mm-hmm own beliefs like don't put that off on other people i say that all the time too i say it a lot with religion and i'm not going to get into it because i don't want to come in at my neck but i always <laughs> say like i hate when people are like it's this way and no other way i personally mm-hmm. feel like if i can respect the way you know you praise and the things that you do all i ask is you respect it in return i won't mm-hmm. you know talk bad about it and i hope you don't talk about bad and either but I hate that. I hate that there's no respect that everyone kind of mm-hmm. wants to feel like I got one up because I'm doing this or doing that. And it's like, y'all can't, <laughs> this is why there's wars and all that nonsense <laughs> now. Like can't nobody just chill and respect one another. I don't know why mm-hmm. that's so hard to do. Um, I did want to ask you, do you feel like artists should censor themselves on social media, especially if it could affect like their brand or a collective brand? Because since she is part of Chloe and Hallie, I have seen some people saying, well, she needs to think about Hallie, who's working for Disney and stuff like that, and how it could affect their brand together. Do you think that's valid? What did she do that needed to be censored? <laughs> I guess that she was 
<laughs> Saging in her paint. Like, the, the what had people oh, all upset was cool. foolish. But I did see people just saying, like, she should have thought better because it doesn't only affect her. It affects Hallie, too, and their brain. Did not watch Grownish? Like, Grownish, they on there cussing, making out, having sex. Damn, really? Oh, up. I guess they're in college, right? Yeah, okay. so they're, you know... But that's I, love, I, I, I particularly oh, okay. love them on Grownish, okay. um, but e- even though they're playing characters on this show, the very things that we're seeing her kind of do on her personal platform, she's doing in a character role on a TV show. Like, mm-hmm. so I don't understand what people want her to censor. Um, I don't like to get into telling artists they have to censor themselves. One, they're artists; they're creatives. So if this is a way that you need to channel creative energy or just be yourself or show people that you're human, it's a pandemic, we're stuck home. So if I needed to just play some music and sage in my panties just to get the good juices flowing, to be happy, I'm going to censor that because I don't don't agree with it or because it makes me uncomfortable in some way. Because that's what it boils down to. Like, you're uncomfortable with it. You wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So now you feel like this person should be censored. Right. What were you Not censored, but she should have charged. I think oh. niggas would pay for that. <laughs> Just being honest. Like, you missed the ball. You could have you got paid for that. That might have been really off-brand for them. Like, she no, just randomly I mean, come out with her OnlyFans. Well, like. Patreon. <laughs> there's Patreon that's not about porn. It's just about exclusive content. Oh, yeah. you know what? That's true. Jordan Woods does that. I think she has, like, an OnlyFans, maybe a Patreon where, like, yeah, you pay, mm-hmm. but she's not naked. It's like, yeah, you just get exclusive content. So, you're You know you're what right. you're buying. Yeah. And yeah. Listen, I wouldn't be mad at her if she started Me to neither. take her things to Patreon or or even on OnlyFans. Because people tend to think that OnlyFans is just, you know, people popping their coochies, but mm-hmm. it could just be you wanting to make a profit off of the content that you create. We mm-hmm. just talked about how, how much energy it takes to create content. Like yep. you have to edit it, you have to it probably takes a couple takes to get it right the way you want it to. Um I'm not mad at people who do choose to you know, make money off for creating content and making people pay. And also, shout out to the girls popping their coochies. <laughs> Here Because there's a lane for y'all. We respect y'all. But I think we, Raina, we appreciate it. Yeah, Raina makes a really good point because that's true. I think a lot of times OnlyFans has been dubbed as like for the pop and coochies and stuff like that which go ahead do that shit if that's what you want to do but there is lanes for other people like you said to just put content out and make a profit off of it and that was mm-hmm. I feel like that's another thing where people would be like I'll never have an OnlyFans blah 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 based off just what they've heard and not mm-hmm. what they know and it's like no there's other options for you on there and you could be making bank for stuff that you post on the on Instagram on the regular for free. So Mm -hmm. why not make some money and get your car insurance paid or something like that? We all have bills, you know? So I'm all for that. I'm all for people who do whatever makes you happy and works for you. You have one life, make it, you know, make it the best that you can. So Mm -hmm. I completely agree with that a hundred percent. And with content, y'all, I just had this conversation with my line sister today. That shit is exhausting. Making those TikToks, those reels and stuff. I don't know how people like just, they knock them out. I'm like, I can't. Like, mm-hmm. I tried to do a, a reels the other day. It took me, like, 30 minutes to even try to, like, wrap <laughs> my mind around it. I gave up. I said, I'll come back to this tomorrow. <laughs> like, exhausting. So, 
Listen, I post I post one little TikTok and feel like I did something. I'm like, woo! That's enough for the week. <laughs> for real, it is a lot of work. Like it, it for sure is. And I shout out to the people who like they really put out quality content. Like it's nothing. Daily. And yes. I'm just like, and it's entertaining and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I'm all into and watching free. the and free and free. <laughs> so yeah, shout out to y'all. Um, so my next topic, which I think is a hilarious topic. This happened today, so I don't know if you were able to see it, Raina, or heard of it. Have you heard of the Gorilla Glue Girl? Someone sent it to me. I didn't get a chance to watch it. Okay. I'm going to, I wish you could see it from my phone here, because I'm going to play the clip. But maybe mm-hmm. you can at least just hear what happened to her. So really quick, a video has been going viral that was initially posted on TikTok of a woman who used Gorilla Glue spray on her hair. Twitter was in shambles discussing the video and, of course, genuine worry about the fact that the woman may have seriously damaged her hair and her scalp. Mm-hmm. Um, they have even advised her to go to the ER. And Gorilla Glue themselves have even commented trying to help her out and pretty much letting her know that her hair is pretty much damaged. So I'll play the video for y'all. Um, so yeah, hold on. Let me restart it. Hey y'all. For those of y'all that know me know my hair has been like this for about a month now. It's not by choice. No. It's not by choice. When I do my hair, I like to, you know, finish it off with the little got the big glue spray. You know, just to keep it in place. Well, I didn't have any more got the big glue spray, so I used this. Gorilla glue spray. Bad, bad, bad idea. Y'all, look. Sorry, y'all. My mom just called. <laughs> my hair, it don't move. You hear what I'm telling you? It don't move. I've washed my hair 15 times, and it don't move. Stiff wear. Woo. My hair. So I'm going to tell y'all like this. If you ever, ever run out of got to be glue spray, don't ever, ever use this unless you want your hair to be like that. Okay. So that's the clip. Sorry again, you know, my mom called. I have on Do Not Disturb, but she gets to come through. So... Um, the comments, they were just hilarious to me. Me, honestly, I didn't even know what Gorilla Glue Spray was. I had to look it up. And it's like a clear adhesive. And it's like super, super heavy duty. But it's for like outdoor stuff. Like, or your crafts, DIY projects and stuff. (laughs) I didn't know. Like, I have never feel like I've heard of it. So I'm just like, no way did she put that in her hair. And, like, there's other videos of her, like, washing it and literally nothing moves. Like, it's just stuck. So I wanted to ask you, Raina, have you ever had a a situation where you had severely damaged your hair? Not severely. I might have cut some hair trying to get out a a braid or little faux locks. But not crazy glue on your hair, sis. What? (laughs) (laughs) People was like, did she even read the can? Like, the can literally says, like, crazy glue, heavy duty. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to understand in what world that, that was a bright idea. And, <laughs> and she I was going to put a lot. Yeah, that's because she said she used, like, a little got to be. And I'm like, it looks like she sprayed 
a ton of that glue on her hair and it sucks because the hairstyle is super cute but it's just mm-hmm. like now your hair is gone like it's just from what they were saying they were saying that i guess people have used the gorilla glue and gotten it on their fingers and it's taking skin while mm-hmm. like trying to take the glue off so they were saying like she literally might have skin missing from her scalp and that just sounds so painful to me like I don't know. And even, like, the Gorilla Glue people, they commented on the post, and they told, like, they said, they let her know what to use. They said, use some rubbing alcohol, water, and a spray Mm -hmm. bottle, a hair dryer, and a comb. But they said, since you've had it in there for a month, your hair could be damaged. So I guess Mm -hmm. that would at least allow her to not maybe, I guess, be ripping it from her scalp. But she's probably going to have to get it all shaved off and start over. And who knows how long it's going to take her scalp to heal from all of that. I'm no licensed cosmetologist, but I would imagine that you putting rubbing alcohol on your scalp, that's damaging it too. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Sis got to start from scratch. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's like real scratch. Like, she's going to be little Bill <laughs> for a while. <laughs> Not the fake scratch, real scratch. Little bill it up, okay? Like, cause shoot, I just can't Little imagine that. Point yeah, <laughs> like wigs gonna have to be on deck. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's it's gonna be a process, and I can't imagine because I have had when I was younger. Um, my mom made me get. I think it was a perm. Mm-hmm. my hair was really really curly and it was like too much for her to handle so she tried to get it where like a relaxer that's what she got she made me get a relaxer um which i i didn't need it it was just like what mom but she sent me to go get one she didn't come with me she sent me by myself and the hairdresser left it on too long oh. and it burned my scalp and i have welts but to this day my scalp has never recovered like it's just super dry no matter mm-hmm. what I do. And I always have, like, um, dandruff. Like, mm-hmm. I'll wash my hair, and in two days, I'll have all this dandruff again just because of how dry it is. So it's like, mm-hmm. sometimes your scalp may not even recover after stuff like that. It's a scary thing to mess with chemicals and all that stuff. Like, yeah. yeah. People be playing. You know what? When I was a, a, a kid, I had a Barbie doll, and I super glued a hair track to the hair. I was one of those kids that enjoyed, like, trying to experiment with dolls and Barbies here. So, yeah, no. <laughs> I remember, like, the crazy glue was all on her forehead and at the hairline. Like, who did I think I was? So, I could just imagine if it damaged the Barbie doll hair. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I just... <laughs> That's so scary. I was so you do think it was foolish on her part because I kind of felt bad. I was like, maybe since I didn't know anything about it, I was like, well, I can see how maybe somebody could do that. But other people was like, no, this is foolish. Gorilla glue is is advertised for household things. It's not, you know, it's heavy duty. Yeah, it's not one of those things like, oh, put toothpaste on a pimple. It's not one of those things that you could like remedy. There's no way that you ever should put Gorilla Glue on any part of your body. And then I was wondering, <laughs> where did she find it? Like, did she find, was it already in her house? Or did she go, because apparently you go, like, you'll find it in, like, Lowe's and Home Depot, but it's in the crafting, <laughs> home crafting sections. So uh-huh. I'm just, like, at the store, I'm sure where you found it at, you didn't, like, think, like, hmm, this it's not in hair care, you know? Right. If you found it at home, 
what where was it in your house was it with like household things and you just like i don't know i had so many questions about it because like, i never it? knew they had the spray I, I they have like the liquid like a liquid gel yeah. that comes like the little small containers but i've never seen the spray so that was that was something new to me mm-hmm. honestly i think she like she said i ran out of got to be or whatever it's called and she thought the next best thing, next best thing was going to be some gorilla glue, and she was in for a rude awakening because now you get had a hairstyle for a month that you can't get rid of. That was not it, that was the scary thing. Like she was like scratching, nothing was moving. It was like a like a it was just crazy. Like you got to watch the video. Like it's I'm nuts. gonna watch it when we get off. Like right. I got to see from my old two eyes. It's funny. Okay, so that is a wrap for that segment. We are going to move into our main topic and move into the segment called Free Talk. So, I'm sorry. (laughs) I got distracted. Okay, so the main topic for this episode is domestic violence. So, I had Mm -hmm. um, advertised on my IG. I was looking for someone who could speak about domestic violence, whether it be physical, verbal, um, emotional or you know everything whatever whatever falls underneath domestic violence um Raina reached out to me she let me know that she is a domestic violence survivor she's also an advocate so I wanted to kind of pick your brain um and talk about this topic a little bit um I know domestic violence awareness month isn't until October um but it fell on my heart just because and I've said this on previous episodes domestic violence has really skyrocketed with this whole pandemic and people being stuck in the house with Mm -hmm. their abusers a lot of people have lost their lives a lot of people have been undergoing way more abuse than they usually have a lot of people are not mentally there because of everything that's going with the pandemic and I think you know with all our day-to-day and us just trying to figure all this pandemic stuff out. I think we forget that there are some people out there really suffering at home. So mm-hmm. I thought it'd be good just to talk about it, get a different perspective. So that's why we're mm-hmm. doing it now. Um, so Raina, I wanted to ask you if you could share a little bit about your story to start things off. Sure. Um, so this was like my first adult relationship. Um, I started dating this guy and I mean, some signs were there early on, just like the lying, the cheating, that type of stuff. But, um, it wasn't until like being in it that like some of the violence, um, some of the emotional abuse, um, some of the physical abuse stuff started happening. Um, it's, it's so much. I'm like, where, like, where do I begin? Do I share examples? Like, it, it was bad, but being in that situation, I didn't know that I was being, I won't say I didn't know I was being abused, but I, I, I wasn't ready to own it until after I was able to get out of that situation and really sit with myself and say, wow, like that wasn't an abusive relationship. Like it took a lot of self-reflection for me to understand that and and be okay with saying those words. Um Sometimes I, I I look back and reflect. I could talk about it freely now, but some of the things that were going on was like, I'm like, I survived that. Like I I went through that. I didn't tell anybody till way after the fact that those sort of things were happening. Um, 
it's a lot of shame. It's a lot of embarrassment um, around when someone is degrading you, talking down to you, putting their hands on you. How do you come out and say things like mm-hmm. that? Um, even a situation happened where someone sent my dad an anonymous text and told him that I was being abused. And even in that situation, it was like my family, like all kind of came together to try to do like an intervention. And I was, I was more so mad at whoever sent this anonymous text. Mm-hmm. Like I, that's where my mom was like, how y'all, how y'all texting, telling my business and putting people like, I was more so mad at that. It, it took me a long time to get over that. Um, I think today I'm grateful that that person cared enough about me to do that, mm-hmm. to let my family know what was going on. Um, like I, I'll never forget. I, I was out with this person and my flood, my phone just started flooding with like texts and calls, like uncles, people calling me like, where are you? I'm like, what's like, what's going on? So after kind of talking with some people, when I got back to my apartment, like my mom was there, my grandma was there, like people were there ready to rally around and support me and help me get out of that situation. But I still wasn't ready. I, I didn't think that I was in an abusive situation. I, I thought that someone needed to mind their business and why would, why would they ever violate my privacy that way? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't until two situations happened. Um, we were at a laundromat and an argument happened and this person was publicly degrading me um, and the police were called. It wasn't until being in that moment and seeing the police and the police are talking to me like, ma'am, like what's going on? That I was said to myself like, wow, this is the second time that the police had to be involved behind me dating this person. Like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the final straw for me that what I was like, you know what, I'm done with this relationship. Um, I got off work one day and again, it, I'm in a situation where I'm, I'm letting this person use my car. I'm letting this person, you know, live with me and shacking up. Um, and that morning, you know, we get into an argument and this person, again, they're being physically violent. Um, and they're threatening me. And I got to a point where, like, I, I just was tired. Um, it, it was bad. It, so, so when I tell you so many things were happening and sometimes when I sit and, re- like, when I, seriously, when I sit and reflect on a lot of those incidents that happened, I'm, I'm grateful that God never took his hand off me. God said that, like, no, this is, this is not what you need to be in. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for people who love me enough to be there and, and rally around me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. How old were you when you were in this relationship? Because you're young. <laughs> yes, I was, I want to say I was 24 when I met that person oh, or 25. Man. Yeah. Um, 24 or 25 because I turned... 26 after we broke up okay so So you guys were together for a little bit and you underwent a lot i'm sure during this time Mm -hmm. it's crazy like it's crazy that so 
I want to say, and this is just off the cuff. This isn't even like a question. This is just based off of like what you had just told me. And I was thinking, it's crazy how like for a while I had the misconception that domestic violence happens with older couples. Like mm-hmm. people who have been together for a while or just like older people in general. And mm-hmm. it took me a while to understand that there is no age limit to domestic mm-hmm. violence. Like, especially when you see, like, mm-hmm. Lifetime movies and stuff like that, domestic violence can start with a relationship in high school. And mm-hmm. I think it's wild to me that those, I guess, that anger and that violence can be in somebody at such an early age or that it could present itself in such early young relationships you know like Mm -hmm. because you ever heard people like will say to younger people what do you have to be mad about you know like there's like Mm -hmm. what are you mad about life hasn't even hit you yet so I think in my mind I feel like those are your carefree years like your 20s your when you're teenagers you're supposed to be carefree and just having fun so when Mm -hmm. you see like the possessiveness the violence the anger the verbal abuse and all that stuff be prevalent Mm -hmm. in these young relationships I think it's like I don't know to me it's very shocking that -hmm. stuff like that can happen and that people can be being abused from that early age and some people will stay in it for years decades and just go along with it and I'm Mm -hmm. just like I always wonder how can you endure that for so long Mm -hmm. is it fear or is it like you said like how for a long time you didn't really kind of comprehend what was going on here. Is it a mix of both? Like, what do you think keeps people around for as long as they do in situations where they are with someone for a longer period of time? Um, it's a various of things. So first, I'm going to say that people who have been in these types of, you know, abusive relationships for a long time, you know, some women, you are dependent upon this abuser, right? Mm-hmm. So if you leave, where are you going to get money? How are you going to feed your kids? Where are you going to live? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to factor in those things as well for some women who they don't have their own resources. There's barriers in, in them being able to leave safely, right? Mm-hmm. So let's start there. Um, also, some people, that's all they know. They They might have grown up with caregivers who were abusive or, you know, mothers or fathers who were in abusive relationships so that that's something that they think is the norm Mm. um i didn't grow up you know in an abusive household or you know with anybody beating up on anybody in my household so it wasn't something that i thought was the norm i just i'm wasn't thinking being going through that like that i'm in an abusive relationship i knew those things weren't right i didn't like them they didn't feel good Sometimes it's that denial piece, too. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think, like, maybe he's doing this because he loves you so much? Because I know there's times where people will be like, I've seen people be like, oh, he's just obsessed with me. And then, you know, mm-hmm. there's, like, that healthy obsession and then that non-healthy obsession. Or just people mm-hmm. being like, oh, they rationalize it with, oh, he loves me and this is how he shows his love. Mm-hmm. Like, did was it that for you or was it you just being confused and not being able to fully identify why, what was happening and why this was happening? For me, I didn't see those things as he loved me. That was his way of showing love. Like, I knew, like, this shit don't feel good. This shit is weird. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't really understand what's going on. Um, 
but I also feel like, oh, this is my first, this is my first real adult mm-hmm. relationship. Let me let me try to stick it out. Like, you know, there's parts of that relationship that I did enjoy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. Like sometimes there are parts of relationships with people who are abusive that you do enjoy. Not to say that those you should stay, mm-hmm. um, but every day wasn't those things weren't happening every day. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you do stick around because you're like, oh, well, you know, there's good moments. Mm-hmm. But for me, I I knew that, that 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 wasn't that person's way of showing that they loved me. Okay. And I have seen that. Like, I watch a lot of ID, which unfortunately a lot of those women, um, you know, don't make it out of their situations. And a lot of reason, well, the reason I've seen frequently is, well, you know, they do go off of, it was good at one point in time, or he has mm-hmm. shown me those good sides, or I can see that he can change, and then they go back and they do change for like a little bit, and then slowly but surely something takes mm-hmm. them off the edge and is right back into the cycle. So, and then, like you said, especially when you have kids, I think people a lot of times they want their family to stick together and they want to mm-hmm. hold on to that hope that this person will change. I feel like we do that. All of us kind of do that with certain people, certain situations, but we probably stay a little bit longer than we should based off of just Mm -hmm. hope. Like, I hope this will change. I hope Mm -hmm. things will get better. And it's unfortunate that in a lot of domestic violence situations, it doesn't get better. And, you know, I don't want to just say women because I, you know, domestic violence can happen with men as well, but Mm -hmm. that these people who are getting abused don't make it out of it. And it just, it's, Mm -hmm. it's just really scary and unfortunate. Um, and so I know you touched on the safety thing. So I went on a domestic violence website today just to do like a little bit of research. Mm-hmm. And I never seen this on a website. And it was actually really sad to see. So when I came in, I guess they have it where, you know how normally when you go to certain websites, it can be tracked. So mm-hmm. they have it where like, I guess it's not being tracked in case you're looking for safety or some help. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you click, you have to click the X. So they say don't click out on the regular, like how you would regularly click out. You got to click on mm-hmm. the X. So it's like a safe way for you to exit with, I guess, there not being any tracking or any way of the person knowing that you were on this website. So, <laughs> and then they also had like how to identify the abuse, which you've kind of touched on a little bit, where I was like, I wonder if you've never been abused, how do you identify what's happening to you? Or do you Mm -hmm. just go based off of this doesn't feel good? Do you go based off of what other people are telling you? What if you don't talk Mm -hmm. to anyone? So Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you if you had any, like, I guess, I guess any tips on how someone... Or what can be something that will, what am I trying to ask? Like something that will help somebody realize they're not in a good situation. Like this isn't normal. Yeah. First, I would say like making excuses for that person's behavior. So if you find yourself always having to like, you know, in some sense defend or provide explanation, um, that's concerning. Possessiveness, like you know, that person trying to isolate you from your family and friends, you know, trying to change up your, your normal routine where if you're this social person now, you don't have any contact with anybody that you once had contact with, um, gaslighting, you know, trying to make you feel like certain experiences aren't real or didn't happen. 
um, controlling of some sort of like your money. Um, It's just so much. um, You know, a lot of times, not to say for people who maybe teens or maybe just people in general, like when you think these things are normal, like it takes having a conversation with someone else or it takes having enough of these unpleasant experiences for maybe something to go off in your mind, like something this isn't normal or this isn't how I envision being in a relationship with someone. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Cause I think some mm-hmm. people might not be able to identify red flags like that. Like mm-hmm. I've done that with friends where, you know, like they've pretty much showed you, they might not be the best, you know, person to have mm-hmm. around, but you just keep it out. Cause you think, Oh, well we all have our things, but like some things <laughs> you can kind of, I feel like you kind of can tell, uh, uh-uh, mm-hmm. this doesn't right. And you know, listen to yourself i think we all have at least some sort of basic instinct within us what is that Uh, um intuition where you Mm -hmm. kind of know something's off here and go with it we ignore intuition so much and and that's how we get into a lot of bad situations because we ignore our own instinct to be like no because we want to give everybody chances but it's like no 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 you know better Mm -hmm. listen to yourself so Mm -hmm. And um, also, like, but... being in situations where, like, you know, the, a, an incident will occur, um, and then, like, the person, like, tries to blame you. So it's always, you made me do, mm, if you okay. didn't do X, Y, and Z, like, this person is always blaming you for how they're, you know, treating you or abusing you. Um, then there's, there's some sense of, like, a honeymoon period where, like, things are good like they're trying to smooth things over with you like if you start to find yourself in patterns like that like mm-hmm. that's a warning sign okay that's good that's good information mm-hmm. um so we hear often people telling others and i've heard this plenty of times p- others who are in violent situations just leave mm-hmm. okay you're in this bad situation why don't you just leave so is it really that easy? Like the way people are just like, yeah, just pick up your things and go. Like, is it even really that easy to just leave? No. Absolutely not. One, you have to help people to create a safety plan. Um, Cause telling someone to just leave, you could be putting them in more in danger, more harm's way. Um, also, we, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier too, but people don't leave for various of reasons. They may not have anywhere else to go. Mm-hmm. You know, they may have been in these relationships for so long that they have no relationships with no other people in their family, no other, no other relationships with friends, lack of resources. So if you're in a relationship with someone who controls all the money, where you going to go? Right. Especially you know, if they've isolated you from your family yeah. and friends. Like the mm-hmm. one, the one, um, special I had seen on ID, he moved her all the way out to the woods and mm-hmm. he like changed her number. And he was like, you said, so controlling. She didn't have contacts with anyone and mm-hmm. he had her isolated. So if you're even, if that's even on there where you literally have no one to reach out to, not even neighbors because you're that isolated, like, yeah, I think that's, it's rough. You do, you end mm-hmm. up feeling like I have no options but to stay. Mm-hmm. Where am I going to go? You know, what am right. I going to do? And it's that feeling of hopelessness, but 
a lot of times people say just leave like you can leave mm-hmm. but if when you're not in a situation you don't you don't no. know mm-hmm. you know and that's um, true i think when if you're not in it you don't know mm-hmm. how can they leave you know mm-hmm. and everyone loves to offer an opinion but no mm-hmm. like real plan behind it no like mm-hmm. real like well here's how you can go or this is how i can help you leave they just be mm-hmm. like well you just leave and it's like okay but how like how can mm-hmm. i do that and everything always is like painted as like it's easy to do these kind of things or mm-hmm. i always you know what i really hate and it's not just in um domestic violence situations i hate when people say things as if it could never be them like i've mm-hmm. heard people belittle other people and be like oh if that was me i'd be out or like that would mm-hmm. never be me. That's how dare she allow that or how dare he allow that. And it's like, I think that sucks instead of it being like, how can I help you get out of the situation? It's kind of like, oh, that'll never be me. But you don't, you never know. You never know what life can might I throw your way. Can I share something with you? Sure. When I was in college, I volunteered to be a domestic violence hotline counselor um, in Montgomery County. Who, I didn't know that years later after graduating that I would find myself in that situation like it it doesn't matter the amount of like knowing information Mm -hmm. you know I had to go through a whole training and I would take calls in the middle of the night to talk to to men and women who were just needed to talk just needed to like express what was happening in their relationships and just have a soundboard you know it you can't ever say things like that well if I was in this situation I would have did x y and z because you don't know you what don't you would know. do when you're in a situation. Exactly. You know, I I would, I could think that, oh, I would never let a man put his hands on me until, you know, you get slapped in the middle of an argument. And, and then you what do you really do? Don't, yeah. You don't know what to do. You're mm-hmm. like shocked. Like somebody just put their hands on me. Like, whoa, like. I share this story with people and I not share things. I'm transparent. Um, I'm not naming any names, but I share things because it could help someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, in the middle of an argument, this person grabbed the knife and stabbed my TV, like literally destroyed the flat oh screen. Gosh. And what if that person chose to stab me in that moment? Right. You just, you just don't know. You can't ever say what you're going to do in a situation. Mm-hmm. You can't take for granted when someone threatens you and says, I'm going to kill you or I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to you. You can't take it lightly. Mm-hmm. A lot of men and women don't live to tell the story of being with an abusive or a violent person. Right. It's true. It's true. Did you want to say something there? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> So I want to ask you, in what ways has what you have gone through carried into other areas of your life or like into other relationships? Mm-hmm. Um, so one, I work part time at a um, a safe haven. So I, for my my experience going through that, like I wanted to just kind of help other women, empower other women to know that. You know, if you are able to get out of, you know, an abusive situation that life is not over, you have the power to make different decisions about whom that you date. Um, it's impacted my my dating life and that I don't, it's certain things I just can't tolerate and I'm not, I'm not waiting around for, you know, certain signs to exasperate. Like the moment you raise your voice up block, mm-hmm. um, 
and I'm saying it jokingly, but it's, it's I'm being serious and just other women that I know personally, like just being there for them and being supportive and, and try not to judge because who am I to judge? Right. It, it happens. Mm-hmm. You know, we could come from the best of homes. We could be a domestic violence hotline counselor. We could have the education. We could, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So I think from, for me, just one, being a support to other women, whether I know them personally or not, and just being mindful of who I'm, who I'm dating. Mm-hmm. Has it cut you off? Like, has it closed you off, I would say, from love or, like, being with someone new? Has it scared you at all? It hasn't, but I will say in the beginning it did impact my, I would say, how I was feeling about being in a different relationship. Like, I felt like I needed to be on guard. I felt like I needed to, like, in some sense, be like, what you ain't going to do is, mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It, I felt down. like I needed to kind of, yeah, like put down, set my boundaries early and kind of assert some, I don't want to say aggression, but I also, I felt myself being a little aggressive when I got into a new relationship and I had to take a step back like, yo, like when somebody was doing that to you, you didn't like it. So what you're not going to do is be in this relationship and be verbally aggressive to someone else. Um, I had to, I really had to check myself. Yeah, I could imagine that, um, like, me having trust issues, me um, wondering if people are being sincere or who they are or if they're going to switch up on me. And just in general, having that fear of, I hope I get this right by allowing this person in after what I've been through because I don't want to go through it again. I think I would have a lot of my reservations. And, yeah, a little bit of that aggression of, like, no, mm -mm, you're not. Like you said, this is what you're not going to do. I'm letting you know right now, no, no, no. Like, yeah, I think it would be hard for me to be completely open if that was mm-hmm. something I went through because that's traumatic. That is so mm-hmm. traumatic that it is. It's, it's, it's hard, I feel like, not to carry that into mm-hmm. new relationships or anything like that. It leaves you super vulnerable. Like, I remember... Like, I had to, you know, get a protection from abuse order against this person. Just going through that whole ordeal, leave, it left me vulnerable. Like, even, like, I had told some coworkers at the time, I told my supervisor, and I felt super, like, open and just, because sometimes when you are a private person, like, I feel like I'm transparent and that I don't mind being open and sharing things. But there are parts of my life that I keep private. Right. Um, and when you feel like, in some sense, you're on blast to the world now. It mm-hmm. it, it just, I struggled for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, That's what helped to birth Brown Girl Space. Like going through that experience, feeling like I didn't have safe spaces because there were people, who, you know, I don't want to say they blamed me for being in a, an abusive relationship, but they said really hurtful things. And it's like, I've, if I thought that this person was going to be like that, do you think I would have chosen right, to right. be in this relationship? Um, it was a lot of self-healing that needed to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For sure. My my mind is spinning right now because it's, it's so much. Um, no, it's okay. It's yeah. and, it, and my actual next question to you was, 
does talking about it or seeing it or hearing about it trigger you in any way? And like, how do you deal with those emotions when they come? I'm able to talk about it. Um, like there's times where I like share certain, you know, situations that actually happen. Um, there are times if I, if I know someone that is going through it and I may be there to support them, I may have to put up a boundary of like, okay, it's only but so much I can kind of do and support you in the moment. Cause it can be a little bit triggering. Um, because as much as you may want to like with people with me, they want to like forcefully take, try to take you out of that relationship, mm-hmm. forcefully remove the other person. I went back mm-hmm. after that intervention, a week went by and I went to go went back. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's gotta so, be tough. I mean, especially, like yeah. you said, I'm sure there's so much that's going in your mind, especially when you think back on it. And you know how, like, a lot of times when you're in a situation and there's stress in that situation, you don't necessarily think of everything that's happening. But then when you finally step mm-hmm. out of it and you think back on it, you're like, oh, I remember this and I remember that. And oh, mm-hmm. they did this and no, that didn't make me feel good. No, that wasn't right. Where at the time, You didn't Mm -hmm. look at it that way. You thought it was okay. Especially, I think a lot of times, too, um, when we're in bad situations where there's relationships or friendships, depending Mm -hmm. on where our understanding of self is and also our self-worth, what we feel like we're worth and things of that sort, that can kind Mm -hmm. of play a part in us feeling like, well you know, maybe I deserve this. Like, lies that we tell ourselves or, like, stuff that in the moment we let go by because we're like, well, you know, it's okay. It's okay that it's happening to me. Like, we we don't, we don't feel, like we said, we don't have that self-worth, that self-confidence like mm-hmm. confidence to be like, no, like, uh-uh, mm-hmm. I'm not allowing this or anything like that. Um, you know, we kind of turn a blind eye to it because we feel like, that's what we deserve. Am I making sense? You know, like I think we don't we don't realize that no, no one deserves that. Whether it's mm-hmm. depending on your background or depending what your parents told you or your friends or whatever, mm-hmm. you don't deserve to be mistreated. And you right. deserve all the things that you want. And if this mm-hmm. is not what you want, you don't have to stay because you feel like you can't get anything mm-hmm. better or you're damaged or anything like mm-hmm. that. And sometimes I think people stay in bad situations situations that's a mix of it too like how you feel about yourself or how people Mm -hmm. have made you feel about yourself is it sucks it sucks so bad I feel like and I've never been in a domestic violence situation but I can only imagine all of those feelings like Mm -hmm. feeling low about yourself being scared being confused feeling lonely not knowing what to do what to do like the hopelessness all of that stuff like that just Mm -hmm. has to be such a hard thing to carry and deal with it is because it even like when I got out of that situation I didn't feel like I had anyone to talk to like it was it was so like you just explained like I I had went through this period of like, damn, that happened. Damn, that happened too. Like, it was so much was happening. I I didn't I didn't feel safe to talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't talking to anybody. Um, and at this time, I was in grad school and had three jobs. 
Wow. So imagine I'm just, just, just living. I'm just going through the motions. I'm crying on my way to school. I'm crying on my way to work. Like I'm literally like doing all of this and just holding it in. Um, eventually I did go to therapy. Um, because I had, I felt like I had lost myself. I, I, I took, I felt like I was mourning the loss of what I had lost in that relationship. Like I lost, I lost, I lost myself, mm-hmm. you know, things that were replaceable, but things that I had worked hard to, you know, get, you know, I'm in my own, you know, my own place and worked right. hard for that. And I felt like, damn, like I really allowed someone to come in and like destroy me, destroy my space. Yeah, mm. it's tough. It's tough to come mm. to that realization and, you know, deal with it, deal with it head on. It's a lot. I'm sure there's so many emotions that surround that. So I just want to let you know, I'm super proud of you. I know when all these people listen to this episode, they're going to be super proud of you too for pushing you know like never giving up pushing forward Mm -hmm. keep going despite of and using your experience to help others who may be in that same situation or feel the same as you because Mm -hmm. like you you could have took it from the place of like well I didn't have a place where I felt safe or people I felt safe talking to so whatever I'm just gonna let that you know, whatever, that's not, that has nothing to do with me. I've moved on. I've gotten out of that situation, but you've chosen to say and do different. You've chosen to be like, I'm going to give people this space that I didn't have. You know, I'm going Mm -hmm. to try to allow others to have something that it took me a while to experience and figure out. And I think that's awesome. I think it's awesome that you have taken a tragedy and decided to turn it into something not so tragic. And so I'm proud of mm-hmm. you. So I just wanted to let you know that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. No problem. Sure, go ahead. Um, being a man, I'd like to know, how do you think we could normalize men being able to admit that they've been victims of domestic violence? Because you hear a lot about women, but it happens mm-hmm. to men too. And I think it's a lot of people, you get laughed out the room for selling mm, people mm-hmm. or even like having sex with a woman that you didn't really want to, or they'll call you gay. You'd be like, Oh, mm-hmm. you, you didn't have sex with her. You gay. But then if you do it and don't, when you feel pressured, you know, mm-hmm. is that right? Like, you know, it's just certain things. I'll be wondering how do you think we could normalize that? Though? Yeah. I would love to see more spaces created by men for men to talk about what you just described. Um, safe spaces for men to talk about, you know, what, what was it like for you when you were in an abusive, you know, relationship? Like, what are the tools to, like, heal and cope with that? Those spaces aren't really created for men like they are for women. Um, and I, I want them to be. I want men to know that they could talk about these things and not be laughed at and not be name called because it happens to men, you know, but because the spaces aren't readily there, men don't feel comfortable speaking up about it mm-hmm. i want male friends to also help their their male friends identify when stuff like this happens too because i think mm-hmm. a lot of times males will speak about it at least to a friend or to a couple of friends and i think their friends will kind of joke about it too like i think i think men for the most part um, they try to keep things lighthearted. I'm not going to say they don't take things seriously because every man is mm-hmm. different. But I think for the most part, they try to keep things light, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think 
if you see something that's not going right with your friend and their relationship, say mm-hmm. something. Don't be like, oh, well, men can't be abused, so that's not a real thing, or make a joke about it or anything. Like you said, if you see a pattern and you see your friend is not doing well and this is not healthy, say something to them. You know, make it where mm-hmm. they can now feel comfortable to be like, man, I've been wanting to talk to somebody about this, but I didn't want to feel shame or be ridiculed or anything like that. So. Mm-hmm. Like Raina said, I think it starts with men. I think it starts with men being honest and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe their friends being helpful in the aspect of they can help you identify when something is not normal, even if it is mm-hmm. not the normal. You know, it's not the normal that men are being abused, but it happens. So I think that turning a blind eye because you're a man mm-hmm. and how dare you let a woman beat you or verbally abuse you. I don't, I, that's just, I don't think that's helpful. Mm-hmm. But that's just And we me. can also be inclusive in our conversation. So, you know, talking like, teens making sure that we 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 are aware that these things are not just happening to women they're happening to teens they're happening to men they're happening to you know members of the lgbtqi i believe i said that right Mm -hmm. you know community we need to understand that because when we don't we we tend to think that oh that ain't happening over there or you know an 80 year old isn't experiencing abuse or that man wasn't experiencing abuse or you know, abuse it doesn't happen between you know queer couples. Um, and I could, I'm not, I'm not a person that likes to spew out statistics. Like I feel like if you need that, then I can point you to the resources so you can see. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, re- the 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 statistics are there mm-hmm. um, to show you that those things. Yeah, very so, true. Yeah. Do you think domestic violence cases are taken seriously? No. Okay. Um, even with uh, trying to get, like, help from police, you know, it's not always taken seriously sometimes. Um, and also, too, like, we see with celebrities, like, the moment that, you know, we someone tells us a prominent celebrity or famous person has harmed their wife or harmed their girlfriend in some way, you know, we're like, no way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we don't believe it for some reason because of these perceptions we have about people and it's the same with like normal folk you know people don't believe that these things are happening or sometimes people think that these are like private matters that should be handled you know amongst man and man and wife or man and woman um and such isn't the case yeah and it's been a joke for a while like you look at like the Ike and Tina Turner. That's still a joke of like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm like Ike, I'm like Ike, mm-hmm. and it's like, is that the guy you want to be like? Or like, you know, like Chris Brown. I feel like that was a, a running joke for a while. Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a bunch of times where domestic violence has been used in joking form, and it's just mm-hmm. like, all right, like even like, and and with celebrities, a lot of time it is downplayed. Like they got the guy now, Chad Wheeler. He's a football player. Um, he recently like beat his wife like da- damn near to death. Like he beat her so bad mm-hmm. that when she woke up, he was like, "Oh, you're still alive!" Like he couldn't even believe she was still alive based on the beating he put mm-hmm. on her. And it was mm-hmm. only because she wouldn't bow to him. So um, you know they didn't really report it because he's not like a prominent figure football wise. Like he's just like a role player. 
and he white. So when they reported it, they put out like a picture of him, but it didn't look like a demonstrative picture. It looked like he's just a happy white guy. Mm. And they're kind of, they're more so saying that it's a mental health thing as opposed to abuse. And he actually just pleaded not guilty to it. Like he's saying not guilty, but like, who else did it? Right. But I guess he's trying to use the mental health aspect to get out. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's that's just so unfortunate. Like and there's like no black. other. It's not after that. Album. What is it? She's he's white and she's black. Oh, she's black. See, mm, my gosh, mm. this is just yeah. It just gets worse. Like mm-hmm. that just goes to black women not being taken seriously as well when stuff like anything happens mm-hmm. to them. Like it's just like it's it's, it's we really don't protect unfortunate. black women, but even in like men checking men. Like mm-hmm. the the thing is. Your homie that beat up on his girlfriend, it's not a secret. You know. That's true. That is true. Like, you know about it. Mm -hmm. So, for me, sometimes it gets to be about, like, people checking people about poor behavior. Mm -hmm. People holding people accountable accountable for violence against women. You know, if you, how you you comfortable chilling with somebody that you know beats on their wife or beats on their girlfriend? Mm -hmm. Or vice versa, beating up on her husband or, you know, her boyfriend? Mm Mm-hmm. People will. They'll turn a blind eye for sure. Yeah. To me, I don't... It's not in me. Violence is is not okay. It's never okay to make someone feel unsafe. Until you've been in a situation where someone has physically made you unsafe, where I don't know if I can get out of this this room uh, and and be alive. alive. Mm -hmm. Until you've experienced that, we, we can't laugh. We really can't. It's true. I, I think back, like, I watched, um, what was I watching? Oh, the Players Club. And I was watching it, and I was sitting there with my partner at the time, and we were talking, and I was like, you know, all it was this group of men out in in, in a space, and somebody was being sexually assaulted, and oh, yeah, they, they listened mm-hmm. in and dipped out nobody decided to like protect a black woman in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I asked my partner, I'm like, well, baby, what you have done? I would have dipped out too. Damn. Like, so that's our thing. Oh, we don't want to be involved. That's, that's a private matter. No, like we're a community of people. We have to be able to help one another. Right. It's true. It's true. Yeah. And that, that definitely, that definitely happened. I even think, even when we were talking about cases being taken seriously, like I always think about the movie enough just because mm. she really tried, like even when she went to the mom and the mom is like, well, what did you, why did you make him mad? What did you do? And it was like, hold on, mm. what? Like she went to his mom. She went to the police. She tried to file for a restraining order. They gave her um, a hard time. Like there mm-hmm. were so many things she tried before she finally had to go on the run and I've seen that happen with people in real life, like where they try to file a restraining order and they, it's such a hard time to do that. Or mm-hmm. they do file the order and the cops still don't help them when this person is not following the order and they're popping up and they're just like, well, what do you want us to do? We can't do anything. They're going to come. And it's like, mm-hmm. it just this doesn't seem like there's any real safety measures put in place for people who are really dealing with 
domestic violence and and people who will can murder you, kill you, take everything from you. Like it just seems like mm-hmm. there's nothing people can do in these situations sometimes other than run. And I think mm-hmm. that that just sucks. I think like happened to Nicole Brown. She was calling the cops on OJ yeah, all the time. Yeah, she was calling the cops all the time. And they had mm-hmm. that whole trail of everything that had happened to her. She had pictures of all her bruises and stuff and he still got away with it, you know? So yeah, Do you know that as an adult, like as a child, I was young when, you know, the OJ trial was happening. As an adult, like seeing, you know, remakes of it, it turns my stomach a bit. Mm-hmm. To, like the black community really rallied against him, you know, that he was this innocent man. And it's like, well, who the hell, who the hell else killed Nicole? And I, I don't know his name, but got her, her boyfriend mm-hmm. at the time. It's like when you're young, you don't really understand things like that and how crazy. I, I, as a society, we have to do better. Like even in watching Surviving R. Kelly, it just turned my stomach that people he he had his own wife. He was isolating her from people and locking her up in rooms and stuff. Yeah, and we. We still don't believe that to be true. Mm-hmm. Like we, we still are struggling with. I think that's the part that that hurts, you know. And I'm, I feel like I'm going on a celebrity rant. But even like Kay Michelle, when she, when she said out her mouth what her experience was, and those people sat on that show and tried to belittle her and tell her that didn't that didn't happen mm-hmm. because of their experience with that person. Yeah. And that's what sucks. I think a lot of times people go based off of their version, off of the one mm-hmm. version. And it's like, we all have to understand there's there's three versions to story. This version, this version, and the truth somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. But you should give each equal version its fair share, you know? And even mm-hmm. with all that OJ stuff, I know a lot of people, a lot of black people rallied around him not probably seeing all those all the stuff that came out later when the documentaries came out and now people are looking at it like, well, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that happens too, especially, um, especially with rich people and celebrities, they know how to way to silence things, hide things where you really won't know the whole story. So like you said, mm-hmm. I think we have to work better on not judging people and really listening, really seeing people for what they are and seeing situations for what they are and listening instead of just trying to quickly make a judgment or an assumption, all of that stuff, mm-hmm. because you just never know what people are going through and what's happening behind closed doors doors like you just don't know mm-hmm. um two more questions and then we'll wrap this up i wanted to ask mm-hmm. you because you work at a safe haven so i wanted to mm-hmm. ask you what exactly was a domestic violence safe haven and then what are some options and our resources for domestic violence victims um in reference to helping them get out of a violent situation mm-hmm. so a safe haven essentially is an emergency shelter um at the time, it was for women and children, but now the particular safe haven that I'm at, um, we welcome men as well. Um, so it's essentially it's an emergency shelter um, for people who are able to call the 24-hour hotline. So in Philadelphia, there's a 24-hour hotline. It's um, ran by three different organizations here in Philadelphia, Women Against Abuse, um, Lutheran Settlement House, and I believe, I think the other organization might be Women in Transition. Um, 
So that's a 24-hour hotline that anyone can call. Um, and if you are in a situation where you're fleeing domestic violence, if there's an open space, um, then you can call that number to see about emergency um, shelter. Um, like the website that you were describing earlier, you can go on various websites and they do have where you can click out, you know, in case, you know, your abuser is like looking over your shoulder or, you know, is monitoring and tracking your Internet, you know, what you're doing over the Internet. Um, the safety planning is, is important as well. So helping people, there are domestic violence hotline counselors um, that are helping people who call the hotline. You know, it could be some people who just need to just talk through something that's been happening. They may not be ready to leave. And then it could be people who are ready to leave and they need to talk to someone about safely being able to get away. Okay. And then my last question was also in reference, you kind of touched on it already. Um, what advice would you give to friends and loved ones that are trying to help someone get out of a domestic violence situation? Um, do you think, like you said, how you were confronted earlier, do you think that's the best approach or like, how do you think they should go about it? Um, I will say offer compassion. Like if someone confides in you or you know of, you know, something that's going on, offer compassion you know, ask how you can support that person. Understand that someone may not be ready to leave. Like you may come to the scene and help a person pack up things and they may very well go back. Um, know that a person it, it, it's going to probably take another few times. There's statistics out there about the number of times it takes for a person to leave um, an abusive relationship. I can't say like, I don't want to say like what my family did wasn't beneficial because it, like looking back, it, it was like I needed to know that I had a support system. Like, you know, I needed to know that people were there, you know, when and if I was ready to leave. And, and they fortunately and I was blessed enough that when I did decide to leave that those those same people were there for me and helped me to get out. Um, just be there. Be, if you can, be that for a person. And I understand that not everybody is in a position to take that on. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Mm -hmm. I think it definitely helps people better understand um, how you can help someone. Because I know domestic violence is a touchy subject. And just like people who are in this situation might not know how to get out of it. I know there's probably people watching that person be in the situation not knowing how to approach it and help mm -hmm. them identify what's going on or even get out of it so <clears throat> i think there's there's two ends to it um where you know i think people need help and advice with both so thank you so much Raina, for all of that information you gave us in that segment i think it's so helpful it's you know helped me better understand um just domestic violence as a whole, especially it coming from you, from someone who went through it themselves. And mm -hmm. I really think this is just going to be so helpful for so many people, especially during, like we said in the beginning, during this time where there's a lot of people mm -hmm. being abused and maybe don't even know what's going on. Um, I hope okay. so. Um, and if anyone needs those resources, you know, see, I can forward those to you. And if you want to put include them in the yeah. episode note. Yep. 
I'll put them in the description of the episodes. I think that would that would be mm-hmm. awesome for people who, like, if they didn't hear it, um, they don't have to keep going back to try to um, hear it. So, yeah, we'll put it in the description of the episode. Um, I do have one last segment. This is the more you know. So this is different than the question I asked the last time you were on. This question mm-hmm. is, after the year we have had, what advice would you give listeners when it comes to navigating the unexpected and curveballs life may throw their way? Um, I would say you got to learn to adapt and roll with the punches. Um, As a person who is working on releasing control and structure all the time, Mm -hmm. you have to be able to adapt because 2020 really showed us that it was unpredictable. Things were happening at the speed of light. It was forever changing. Um, So allow yourself to be flexible. Allow yourself to be open. Um, And I'm going to leave it there. Good. I like that. I definitely (laughs) agree. I'm a person who likes structure, routine, and anytime (laughs) stuff isn't going the way I planned it out in my head, I'm like Mr. Krabs. Like, (laughs) I'm just like, what is going on? on?" Like, I have to be like, take naps and stuff just to get myself back together. So I think just being open and trying your best to adapt is perfect. So Mm -hmm. thank you again, Raina. I do want to ask you to give your social media handles again for anyone who didn't catch it in the beginning. I'll also have it in the description, but just let them know where they can follow you at. Yes. So I am on Instagram at Brown Girl Space. And Twitter at Mental Health Advocate Join. Perfect. So, guys, if you want to follow Vixen on Instagram, the handle is vxn.xco. If you're looking to buy merch, um, book a boudoir session. If you have any questions about the business, yeah. even if you want to be, I know I'm so excited. <laughs> even if you want to be a podcast or even submit a topic, you can do that all at the website, which is vxnxco.com. And if you wanted to email me anything, it's vxnhappyhour at gmail.com. So thank you guys again so much for listening and until the next time.